0: Hello and welcome back to In The Clock End, an Arsenal podcast. We hope you're keeping well. We've got a packed show ahead for you today where we're going to discuss our statement win over Chelsea yesterday. We're also going to have a little look ahead to our fixture uh, in the week against Brighton in the League Cup. And with me to discuss all of this is James, who can be found for those interested on Instagram at this is Arsenal underscore. Good afternoon, James. Good afternoon, mates. How are you? Tip top. I mean, over the news, you can hear. I mean, I'm going to apologize to listeners. Uh, I sound a bit hoarse uh, and that's not from screaming at my TV yesterday. Probably didn't help. Um, But no, I've been a little bit under the weather. And as we know, this is the most inconsistent Arsenal podcast available to pop into your ears. But there are good reasons for this. Um, Obviously, as you can hear, I've been a bit sick. And just before we do get stuck into formalities of the show, this is the first podcast um, for In The Clock End post steve's wedding so i just want to say very quickly a massive congratulations to both steve and stephanie um who obviously wedding we attended there last weekend prior to the nottingham forest game have you have you got anything you just want to add to that very quickly before we get stuck in
1: no not at all just thank them both very much for the invite It was a cracking day i think some mm. particular arsenal highlights were the uh rather loud singing of uh zinchenko and a bit of a. Uh, emil smith row and saka chanting and uh no but other than that it was just nice to kind of meet everyone on a non-arsenal weekend if that makes sense it, it was nice a non-arsenal to,
0: event yeah I mean, non-Arsenal we did it event. was an arsenal weekend but i mean yeah speaking of singing those songs i mean it was great fun and, and as you know I, I was not in the best places for the wedding itself i was sick then as well i mean it just keeps going on but that pushed me over the edge singing those songs and my voice was absolutely ruined after that uh, which was funny to say the least but anyway look congratulations steve and steph we're, we're having a fantastic honeymoon over in bali not jealous of the pictures you keep sharing at all so james as we just said the mood is great for a monday um, not too sure as to why that might be but we might get stuck into it
1: well kelvin you Maybe. might even say the mood was unbelievable
0: unbelievable fucking unbelievable is what it actually was. Let's be perfectly honest about it. I mean, look, we, I I did have this down as a as a post match comment that we might we might speak about, but fuck it, in, in, in Granite Stacker style, let's just get stuck in. Eh? How funny was that post match interview? I, I absolutely love seeing stuff like that.
1: You know what? I think the best thing about it was as well is that it was genuine. There wasn't him, you know, trying to be funny. There wasn't him thinking, "Oh, I'm gonna." swear when I shouldn't be swearing here I think that was just the genuine emotion of the moment I mean you could see it towards the end of the game I think one of the Chelsea players got quite quite wound up with him at one point because he was kind of g'ing up the Arsenal fans and I think the Chelsea player I think it was Jorginho maybe was a little Mm. bit upset with him thinking it was him kind of just trying to wind up the Chelsea players which you never know it might have been a little bit of that but for me it was just Granite just enjoying a moment, and what a moment, you know, to be an Arsenal mm. player right now m- must just be unbelievable. You know, this stuff that we could only dream about,
0: yeah. I mean, dream about is right. I mean, it's funny that uh, we'll go into this in a little bit more detail. But the expectations last season and this season are both the goalposts have been massively shifted right in the middle of the season, uh, and understandably so. Because what you yeah, know, we're responding to what we're seeing on the pitch, which is, as you just pointed out, absolutely fantastic to, to say the least just on the, the Granit Xhaka scuffle at the end. I, I really enjoyed it. Now, obviously, look, you, you can't help but carry a little bit of history uh, with you uh, from Granite Xhaka, not for anything that you did, you know, with us, but it's just how he can be on the pitch and how his temperament can be. But I really fucking enjoyed that particular scuffle because there was a moment when, obviously, you're like, Granit, don't. We, you know, we're just about to win here. There's a n- bugger all time left. But there was the, the funny incident for me, and I think you're right, it was Jorginho came flying over, Kind of half pushes Jacker, goes to get the ball, but then looks back over his shoulder, realizes it's Granite Jacker, and thinks, "Oh fuck me, I've got a chance to get someone sent off here." And you can see his like, little eyes just lit up, and he's like trying to push him over the edge. And Jack was just stood there, just laughing at all of them right in their face, which is
1: brilliant. Do you know what? It's one of those moments where. I prefer it now that I can look back on it rather than at the time. I mean, there was part of me at the time that thought, oh, granite, don't do it. Don't do it. This is old school granite, Xhaka coming out now. But no, he kept his cool. And, you know, I think he knew what he was doing to a certain extent. You can see the little cheeky smile there. But um, no, I think that just made the victory even more enjoyable, especially, you know, that was in front of all the travelling Arsenal fans as well. So um, just a little little cherry on top of a, a rather nice
0: cake. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Chelsea shit filled cake, uh, which we completely smothered the icing. Yeah. I mean, let's get stuck into it. I mean, it it was a a great afternoon. I mean, afternoon, I say that it felt like the morning because, you know, 12 o'clock kickoffs are horrible, aren't they? Right. I think I don't quite feel with it. Um, When I'm watching, I'm sure that, you know, we've attended a a game earlier this year that started early and it does just feel a little bit out of place. It must be the same for the players as well. Um, You know, Getting up and just getting straight into it. But kind of from a player's perspective, it must kind of feel like, you know, nervous energy builds throughout the day. And the longer you've got to sit there conscious and awake that you know, there's a big game coming up, sometimes it may be better just to to go out there and just get it over and done with.
1: Yeah, and very over true. And done
0: with big Very needs. true. Um, but looking at the lineups, we'll just have a quick look at that. There weren't obviously too many surprises. And and there just isn't anymore. Um, we know what our strongest start in 11 was or is. What? I mean, there's only one one discussion, really, isn't there? One position, that is left-back. Um, and that was Zinchenko coming straight back into the starting eleven. Uh, what What are your thoughts on that, especially considering how well that Kierontini plays in, in midweek?
1: You know what? It did surprise me, especially because, you know, in my head, I thought he's not going to play because if he was going to play, I thought that Arteta was going to give him some minutes during the week. You know, it's been, mm. what, a month maybe since Zinchenko's come in for an appearance, so... Yeah. Look, I mean, maybe it was Arteta just giving him the last possible moments, prove his fitness, who knows. But mm, you can tell as soon as we start the game, just what a difference Zinchenko makes and what a different position he occupies compared to Tierney. I mean, yes, it was clear you know, 60, 70 minutes that his race w- was run and he was absolutely mm. knackered by got the it. end of, yeah, you know, his legs had gone. I think there was a time where he was kind of just running with the ball and his legs just seemed to crumble underneath him at one point. So, um, no, a little mm. bit surprising that he came in. And uh, for me, I guess the only slight worry I have is just what that does to Kieran Tierney. You know, mm. he... What is no, it no, like,
0: I was just going to say, I, I completely agree, but yeah, carry on. So... I think with these
1: teams, and I think especially with Arteta, he has kind of tended to reward a good performance. And, you mm-hmm. know, if, if you're making an, a, an appearance for the Arsenal when you've put in a really good show in, you kind of almost expect to keep your place. And, you know, he's come straight back out again. So what that would do for Kieran Tierney, who knows? But I think, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at our strongest eleven on paper, this was our strongest eleven. So going into mm-hmm. the game, yeah, particularly confident.
0: Yeah, no, I was as well. I was quite confident. I mean, you know, we knew that Chelsea had a few a few injuries and in key positions. Uh, but I was a little bit surprised, you know, that Zinchenko did go straight in there, even if he is our, you know, strongest I say left back and inverted. you know, in air brackets because it's just like where because it's just a case of it doesn't really play out and out left back, right? Not a traditional left back, I guess, in the sense. But I was surprised he went straight in there. You know, like you said, particularly because he wasn't really given any minutes in the week, uh, and obviously Tierney had a, a strong performance. But you know, like you, I do worry about the the mental knock-on effect that Tierney is probably facing at the minute. It must be really tough because you know we've said a few times, and I don't know other podcasts have mentioned likewise that you know you only rewind what a year, eighteen months, and we'll envisage him as you know potentially being the Arsenal captain um, this season. Um, do you so see he's... him, mate?
1: Sorry, Kevin. Do you see him? I mean, not necessarily leaving in January, but if, if, if things don't change, can you see a, a time where Kieran Tierney might actually think he's got to move on this summer because
0: he's not maybe getting the minutes and the role that he wants at Arsenal? Very possible. Uh, very possible. And this is something which I think a lot of us have parked for the time being because the feeling is so good around the club. Um, but, you know, I remember speaking about it and again, other podcasts have as well, but there's going to come a point in time for this team, this, these players and this side that we love where we're going to have to let someone go that we really like and the way his Arsenal career has kind of gone over the last 12 months or so look you can see it happening right do I think it'll happen I think it's possible I think him leaving you know 60-40 let's put it that way but would I be sad to see him go? Absolutely. Love the bloke character. Love you know. Love the attitude that he brings. It's that you know British mentality, right? Um, all or nothing. You know, no pun intended for the documentary series there. But um, yeah. over the last number of weeks, I've seen that we can kind of cope without. You know, Tommy Arsu can come in at left back and do a solid job. That's that's been proven. Um, different players, obviously, but if Sinchenko stays fit, then he starts, does not he? Every week, um, and also I think tin is on a relatively decent contract um we and i think one of our ongoing issues i would say with the club is just we're crap at selling really really bad and this is a potential to to bring in some cash and reinvest um in in other key areas where we desperately need it we've got three decent options at left back at the minute we don't need three decent options do we what do what do you what do you think could you see a
1: Yeah, I think I'm coming more and more to the idea that this will be Kieran Chiarantini's last season. Although if we do, you know, get Champions League football, that is maybe the carrot that maybe keeps him here because he will want to play Champions League football. And obviously you can see what's building at Arsenal. So Mm. I think it's much easier to stay and be a rotational option if the team is playing well and you're winning trophies and you're in the Champions League. But um. Mm. You know, I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're only a short way into the season. But I think that will have Mm. a quite a a marked effect on if he does stay or not. But like you say, Mm. at the moment, as fans, I think we don't need to worry about it because it's nice to have that many options at left back. I mean, it wasn't so long ago where we were playing Granite Xhaka at left back.
0: Exactly, exactly. Or even worse, didn't uh, Cedric play left back once upon a time?
1: I think that was part of the way they tried to sell his signing to the Arsenal fans was, oh yeah, he's comfortable at right and left back. I'm not sure we've seen that yet.
0: No, because he's not really comfortable either from what I've seen, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, being a bit harsh, but that's another player which I expect to see at Arsenal either in January or later on in the summer. Anyway, like you, I I was confident. I think the only slight nervousness I had going into this game, and I think probably most of us did, even though, and I've said this on the pod, number of times, I I believe that Aubameyang is um, not a finished player, but he's not a Premier League elite striker um, anymore. I mean, it's it's obvious. I saw it long enough at Arsenal, um, where you know I wasn't sad that he left in any way. To be perfectly honest, it was it was actually overdue. Um, But that it's always the fear, isn't it? You know, history coming back to you. You know, play your old side, especially when he left in the manner he did. Would he go out and just? Put in a ninety, I say ninety minutes. You could barely put in an hour, I don't think, from what we saw. But that's always the fear, isn't it? That was my only bit of nervousness going into this game. Uh, yeah. Was Aubameyang scoring against us? I just didn't want to see it. Thank fuck, yeah. we didn't.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you can see the narrative that the media were trying to create before the match. I mean, that's probably the only other thing we've got to mention in terms of the build-up to the game. Was there mm. was obviously this video that was doing the rounds and the whole. Um, nothing personal line which to be fair to him mm. i think was kind of given to him rather of than him yeah, kind of looking to go out and say and um yeah there was definitely mm. a narrative there and yeah it was in the back of my head as well you know he's maybe not the striker who was but if you give him the opportunity or uh, he will at least work the goalkeeper but i think that was the throughout the game just the marked thing is that you've just seen what the evolution of our striker was. Mm-hmm. So and what I mean by that is obviously, look, and I'll make it very, very clear, is that I've not really got much issue with abameyang I think there was probably more to the situation than what we'll ever know. I of think course. obviously the All or Nothing documentary was produced and was kind of signed off by Arsenal. I'm sure mm. abameyang potentially would have liked to have his say as well, but no, I mm. think... To allow the club to evolve and to allow Arteta's team to evolve, he had to go. And you just look at the difference in the two strikers on the day. Mm. Yeah, Enrico Bamiang had eight touches of the ball. Okay? That's mad, by the way. Eight touches of the ball, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you look at Gabriel Jesus, I think he had 50, 60 touches of the ball and he was just part of everything that we did. He was chasing back, he was pressing, mm. you know, even if he wasn't, in as many kind of goal scoring opportunities as what we would have liked, you know, he's so key to how we play. And mm-hmm. you look at Abamyang down the other end. I mean, if we wouldn't have been kind of thinking about the narrative, you probably wouldn't have even noticed he was there.
0: Absolutely not. He was non-existent. Like, as like you say, eight, eight touches in an hour in a game of football He's absolutely mental to be perfectly honest. But this is funny, right? Cause it harks back to what I said Um when Auburn was going through that initial dip, I think. And I said it to Steve and, you know, I always wondered, and it's funny because he ended up at Barcelona, but they're not quite the club they once were, right? I think that's obvious to say that. But I always found it funny that someone with such a great goal-scoring record never made it to the top tier and you know, the elite stage of European football. He didn't. And for me, it was always a case of, yeah, you can score goals. But when you're going up to that level, you need to bring a lot more to your game. Look at Jesus, right? one thing i was going to ask you a bit later on but i'm going to do it now and, and it ties in quite nicely with this and that's when obama didn't score that worried the shit out of me when jesus isn't scoring now and he hasn't scored for what seven eight games i'm not worried about it because it's everything else that that bloke brings to the you know it's the full package he brings in and the the desire that he shows and he brings other people in and i mean i'll ask you are you are you worried about jesus not scoring goals at the minute
1: Not at all. I mean, someone was having this conversation with me the other day trying to make a comparison between Jesus and Lacazette. You know, there was a period of time as Arsenal fans where we were trying to tell ourselves that, yeah, Lacazette wasn't scoring goals, but he was doing different bits for the team and he was, you know, creating goals and things like that. But Mm. Jesus is on a a different planet to Lacazette. You know, it's just unbelievable the difference. And yeah, I think there is going to be a time in the season where Jesus is going to need to score goals, and mm-hmm. but at the moment, you know that is the only thing missing from his game. You know he's doing so much for the team, and you know what? There's been Arsenal teams over the years where you're looking at one man to score and one man only. Whereas at the moment, I think it's quite good that we're sharing the goals around. You know, because you know Jesus ain't going to be able to play every game, and you know, touching woods here, you know he might pick up an injury at some point. Who knows? So yeah. You know, exactly. I think he's just integral to the way we play. And I'm not concerned. I think the goals will come.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say about the spread of goals when you look at the starting eleven against Chelsea, and obviously excluding Aaron Ramsdale for the obvious reasons, unless he feels like turning into prime Podolsky. Did you actually just on that? Did you see Podolsky's goal from the weekend? If you haven't, go and look at it. Absolutely fucking rocket uh, from inside his own half. Brilliant Podolsky
1: goal. special, a. Eh?
0: Yeah, absolutely, Hammer. He's still got that hammer of a left boot at thirty-seven years old. But you know, you look at that starting eleven. There's only two lads, who haven't scored for us this season. That's so, mad, isn't it? That's yeah. absolutely mad. I mean, the, the spread is is there. It's 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 easy to see. Um, and yeah, you you do feel like, yeah, and like like you just said, years gone by where it's just one individual we rely on. I just feel like yeah, we are a threat from multiple situations which makes it so hard to play against which is absolutely fantastic because that's what you want you need that fear factor but just going into the first half then let's just have a quick look at it shall we because for me I mean both halves were pretty much the same to be perfectly honest we not for the first time this season I think there's only been one or two games and they're not even in the Premier League possibly where we, we dominated from, from start to finish um, I, I've never I don't think ever Watched the game, Chelsea away, where I just felt so relaxed throughout. I really, really did. Um, You know, it was all, you know, we were texting throughout as well, like we always do. And the only thing that was lacking was just that little bit of incisiveness in that final third, you know, playing the right ball, releasing at the right times, playing the, the man in when you had the opportunity or taking the strike when you had the opportunity. But I mean, other than that, Chelsea just weren't at the races. And whether that was due to them it's always a little bit of column a bit of column B, isn't it? I mean, I always think that, you know, when people say, Oh, they were really on it in this game were the other team just crap. It's always a bit of both because one team will take it to the other. And then the other team has to react to that. And if they can't, they can't. Um, that's how I kind of look at it. It's that black and white sometimes, but you know, Ben White had a really good opportunity. Um, He's drew a goal, isn't he? He's one of those two players that hasn't scored for us yet. Um, and, and he did get in some good areas in, in the early stages and exchanges of the game, but he dragged one on a half folly just wise of... Um, who, who was in cold frame yesterday? Mendy. Mendy I was going to say Keppa for a minute, but Mendy's post. Um, but but the one that frustrated me a little bit, and we've seen this a few times, and one of them is going to go in at some stage, and I think somebody said that in the group chat that we're in, uh, and that's one of Jesus' uh, Jesus's amazing runs it's going to come off for him at some point but this one frustrated me a little bit because i just felt he delayed the, the striking of his effort by one touch just one touch if he'd have taken it just a snap earlier i think he might have actually scored yesterday oh, did, did you feel that
1: oh uh, i think you've been a little bit harsh a little bit Probably. harsh. i mean i mean in my notes here that i made you know i was making you know a few kind of notes on my phone throughout the game and you know yeah, you've described it, you know, he he dances through the defence, like, he's Doesn't just it? when he's on those runs, he's just it seems to be unstoppable, and yeah, I think he got the strike away, but you know, I think it was as equally as good a challenge as what it, it was. was, maybe was a good block? Jesus, maybe not um, getting his strike away quite as early, maybe, as what he could have done I mean, mm-hmm. uh, look Thiago Silva, he's done really really well there, you know, and mm-hmm they'll know each other obviously through their time playing for Brazil mm-hmm. um, but no like you say it is it is going to come like he did that a couple of times um, against Nottingham Forest the week before you know and he's done it a number of times this season i mean it's so mm-hmm. exciting to watch isn't it yeah, i great. just it's moments like that where i think i can't believe he plays for us i'm still not quite over it yet that he that we managed to sign him um, but no yeah it was a good opportunity. Maybe he could have done better. Like I say, I think maybe just that's a little bit harsh. But
0: I can be a strong critique when I need to be. Um, <laughs> but look, I know I agree with you. I still think look, it was fantastic, right? It's a great piece of play, and I am, you know, nitpicking. I'll be, you know, I'll hold my hands up and say that. But sometimes it's a strike. You need to take it earlier. You know, the element of surprise will sort of do with the keeper as well at the same point. And I just think if he just tried to go a little bit earlier, and don't get me wrong, defending was sensational, it was a great block. Um, but I just think he might have been able to do it a little bit earlier. But again, I'm saying that sat on the sofa, right? You know, what's it like when you're dancing through, you know, five Chelsea players at Stamford Bridge? Um, that space might not have been there, right? From his viewpoint, I, I'm never going to see that. So,
1: I mean, I think there's an element of him looking for a goal. And I think I was at the Nottingham Forest game mm-hmm. the week before and you know the crowd were just willing him to get a goal and you could see his team mates willing him to get a goal and you know maybe there is an element of that at the moment is he trying maybe a little bit too hard and then once one goes in then you know he might have a slight change of mindset who knows but no I think I was very much the same as you in general that I can't remember a game against Chelsea especially at Stamford Bridge where I just felt so relaxed and Mm. I think the thing for me in that first half especially was just that whenever we were in our own area or just outside our own area we were mm. playing these lovely little triangles one twos you know the type of stuff where you know being an arsenal fan over the the last few years i would have had my heart in my mouth whereas i'm thinking yep they're going to play that out easy and the number of opportunities we created where we started you know just outside our box and then
0: brought- Broke. it was just a, a, a yeah. joy to watch at times yeah the football that we're playing this season i think you know we are still getting comfortable with it right and we're still getting used to just how technically good arsenal are collectively and individually uh, to be perfectly honest you. and it's it's a, it's it's a joy to watch it's a joy to be part of the club as a f- supporter or whatever um that the mood is great but the football's great you know um you know if you look at elements of last season the football wasn't always great you know the the results weren't great but the mood has been there. This, you know, this season it's it's just gone up another notch for all of us, and I think most of us, you know, as I alluded to earlier, I think the goalposts changed last season, and they're definitely changing this season. Um, you know, Champions League now is if if you don't qualify for the Champions League now, it's an absolute failure, right? It's, it's no no two ways about that. But the expectations have changed a little bit because I, you know, I'll come on and ask you about it later. But we're potentially now. In a, in a very different situation uh, i can see you smiling at me there so i'm not going to mention up just that word don't right? mention i don't want to as word. well but that's but how fucked is this right we don't want to mention it we don't want to we're scared to um and i'll come on to it a bit later because i do think there's a bit more conversations you've had around around that and you know i don't have to say it everybody knows what i'm alluding to um but it's crazy that we are where we are right now we're playing the football we are right now and we're still scared to fucking you know try and just go put it out there put it in the universe that this is a possibility but anyway so th- there was another great chance as well for Gabriel jesus on there uh, from just as you said from fantastic play out the back tiki tacker as they love to say um great one touch pass move um from the back under pressure uh we broke the lines and yeah martinelli whips in a fantastic ball do you think he should have scored jesus for that one It's so hard to know, isn't it?
1: I mean, I've seen kind of pundits talk about, oh, Jesus, he's got to do better there. But, you know, maybe I'm kind of trying to keep the pressure off him at the moment. You never know. you might say different to me. But again, I think that he did his best to get some... (laughs) 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 I think he did his best to to get on it. And I think, you know... I was kind of more thinking, oh, maybe did it just get fizzed in that little bit too quickly? And you know, mm. he, you can see he's really stretched for it. And mm. yeah, I think on another day, I think, yeah, that goes in, you know. But mm. also the fact, you know, it was you know really wet, horrible day as well. Has that skimmed off his head as well? Kind of if it was a drier day, you, you know, does he get more of a connection? Who knows? But mm. for me, it was just more of a a good feeling and a good sensation of. Again, that connection between Martinelli and Jesus, like they really seem to have this fantastic partnership. Where mm. you know Martinelli knows that Jesus is going to make that run, and um, yeah. But again, I wasn't worried. I wasn't thinking, "Oh, that was a golden opportunity there." Yeah. I was yeah. thinking it will come. I didn't think. One. Yeah, I didn't think oh, that was it. That was our chance.
0: Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you. Like, like we've already said, it was a comfortable watch from an Arsenal perspective, and even though we weren't quite clicking in the final third, you just kind of knew there might, you know, there were going to be more chances for us and, you know, we were going to find those openings. So, you know, going into halftime, did I feel a little bit frustrated that we hadn't capitalised on our dominance? Yeah. Because I think the thing that we have witnessed um, as supporters watching Arsenal this season is, you know, there are moments where I feel we probably do need to assert our dominance and take take the initiative and, and, and score goals, basically, when we're on top. I guess that's probably what I'm trying to get out of here. But, yeah, I wasn't stressed at halftime. Um, you know, I wasn't thinking of doing any household chores. Uh, you know, those memories are a distant past at this point, which is lovely. They might come back later on this season. Let's see. But going into the second half, you know, I, I did expect something from Chelsea, to be honest. I did expect some sort of response, some sort of intensity to be brought into their into their game. It just didn't happen straight from the off, we were again on the ball, taking it to chelsea um and were the the dominant side um did did you did you think that the the or were you expecting Chelsea to come out a little bit stronger in that second half?
1: Yeah, completely. I mean, you look at the half time stats, you know we had sixty two percent of the set of the possession in that first half, you know you would expect Chelsea to go in at half time. Graham Potter will give him an absolute rollick in, and then you think you're mm. going to get a response, you know, and that's the only concern about not getting the goal in the first half. But like you say, it just didn't come, which is mm. really surprising. I mean, yeah. I mean, Chelsea, they're, they're going for a bit of a transition, you know, they obviously mm. have got Graham Potter on board. It's going to take him a bit of time to put his own stamp on the team, but you look at some of the players in that team, you know, Raheem Sterling, you know, you've got Kai Havertz, you know, they bought Christian Pulisic on like, they got some proper quality there, you know, and proper attacking quality that can hurt you. But it just didn't come. It was just more what one-way traffic from our perspective. And again, just there just wasn't a moment, you know, even, I mean, we'll probably come on to this in a moment. The goal did mm. eventually come. But even then, when we did have to soak up a bit of pressure after the goal, again, there wasn't really anything clear cut. I think
0: they only had one shot on target the entire game. I don't remember it. Honestly, I don't remember it. I, I, I just felt like Aaron Ramsell was probably one of the quietest games he's had all season. Yeah, you like, don't really expect... Nothing.
1: Yeah, you, I mean, Aaron Ramsell probably wasn't thinking, yep, I'm going to have a quiet day today at Stamford Bridge. Uh,
0: no, because look, look, let's be realistic. They're front four. will buy me, anger side. But still, on, on his day, he can, he can reduce and, you know, going into, we alluded to earlier, playing against your former club, there is extra incentive. But, you know, Raheem Sterling, Kai Havertz, Mason Mount. Decent players. Very good players. Look, defensively, they're a bit fucked at the minute. Um, and their centre-mids off, for sure. But it's, it's like Spurs, isn't it? Not, not to go into Spurs too much, but there's not much to their side, but they've got two fucking fantastic, well, three. You can put Kuliskevsky in there as well, but they've got three attacking players that give them the opportunities and they're fucking lethal. And I, there was that little bit of fear there, looking at them, even when we we're you know, 1-0 up, if they decide to click it can click for them because they are very talented players but it just didn't happen and and again like I said earlier bit of column a bit and column b was that us being great I think so yeah was it an element then them being off it also I agree yeah with that but defensively we, we, we were solid sound you know Saliba was fucking brilliant again that bloke's was absolutely phenomenal absolutely phenomenal uh, you know what, with Saliba
1: you. just before you move on there I think I didn't kind of appreciate how good a Technical footballer he was until this game. I mean, some of the touches and and some of the ways he got himself out of potential trouble. Like mm-hmm. he's really his footwork and just for a his big first lad, touch. Yeah. yeah, for a big lad. Like you say, he he's just he's played thirteen Premier League games and he's what twenty one years old. Like he should not be this good. Like no, I literally he's a freak. He's a freak,
0: just, mate. He's a freak of nature.
1: What is going on? I mean, look, I don't want to mention the facts that. You know, he obviously still hasn't signed this contract yet. But look, if he were to go, someone's going to have to pay us some serious money. And, you know, that's exactly what you want. Hopefully. Because, yeah, you know, if a, if a player doesn't want to stay at the club, which, you know, why wouldn't he want to stay at the moment? He's kind of got into the mm. French team. He's starting week in, week out in the Premier League. We're top mm. of the league. But mm. we've got these players now that will command you know, such astronomical transfer fees. I know, you know, he's maybe going into the last year of his contract, that might make things difficult, but no, yeah, well. he's just such a good football player. And like you say, you hit the nail on the head there. For a, a big
0: lad, he's just so good with, in those kind of tight little situations. Oh, he's, he's absolutely phenomenal. And I think he's far surpassed any expectations any of us had. That I'm sorry, but not one Arsenal fan can sit there and think he was going to be this good you could say he's going to be good like Gabriel right Gabriel's good but Saliba is he's just he's, he's a generational defender right and whoever spotted him for Arsenal and pushed through that signing though you know those few years ago pat yourself on the back you know that's, that's, that's what a scouting you know that's what a scout at a club should be doing because that's phenomenal work because that lad is <sighs> I mean, unbelievable. I wanted to stay at Arsenal for his entire career. And I, I think you're right. I mean, it's easy for us to say the Arsenal fans, because we are slightly biased when we look at these situations. But why wouldn't you want to stay right now? There's no reason for you to want to go elsewhere. You're still young. Sign a four year deal. Even still, then, at the end of that contract, you can be 25. 25. You could get great money, live in London, great city, playing for a great club. All things going well in the Champions League next year. So. Yeah, I, I think, look, there's probably an element in just seeing how things go. I think the World Cup's just... I, and I think, yeah, if the World Cup wasn't in the middle of the season or nearly in the middle of the season this year, would this have dragged on as long? Probably not. Yeah,
1: Especially. I think that's. I think you could say that about a lot of players. And, you yep. know, there's going to be a lot of contracts expiring kind of at a similar time around Europe. And I think that World Cup is a shop window. And that oh, it World Cup does give people the opportunity to kind of... You know, that whole stock rising type kind of analogy. You know, why mm. would you sign a contract now when you can mm. potentially be a star at the World Cup and then your agent then turns around to the club and say, Well, he's a World Cup winner now, or he was exactly in the World Cup team of the tournament, you know? So I
0: think we're gonna have to pay. yeah, I think
1: I yeah. think we're
0: gonna have to pay to keep him, but I think we'd be mad not to. Oh, we would, we absolutely would. He... And we've paid stupid money for some absolute twats, right? Let's not get into it. (laughs) (laughs) So this is, you know, I'm looking at this going, right, if we could do it for those bell let's fucking do it this time for someone who's, you know, got his whole career ahead of him and he's not at the fucking end of his career. Now, you know, I've said that before. We need to start awarding contracts to people who are going to do stuff for the club, not people that have done stuff for the club. Um, So yeah, if we can can do that, happy days. Um, Yeah, obviously, look, the goal itself... Wasn't exactly a, uh, a blinder, was it? And it's it's one of those moments that, it, you know, I look back on, you know, immediately after once, you know, I'd calm myself down after scaring the shit out of the dog, um, which, which happened on a regular when I'm watching football at home. But when Saka took that corner, I bemoaned it. I went, that's fucking shit. You know, when you just say things in the moment, I like, oh, that's a terrible corner. And then it just went through. And then obviously Gabriel sticks it in. I had a little chuckle to myself about that. But it, yeah, did, what did you think of the goal?
1: It was weird, was not it? I mean, it was yeah. one of these ones where I kind of thought, I mean, I went mental, but then my immediate thought was, oh, there must be something going on here. VAR, I'm going to chalk this off because it almost kind of yeah. looks too comical. I mean, mm-hmm. it's only afterwards as well. Have you seen the screenshots that are going around and the little videos of what um, Kukureo was doing to Xhaka throughout, throughout the course? No
0: no I haven't actually
1: right so go back and have a look at it so basically the corner comes in and I mean Kukurea literally um he stands completely still he's got his arms wrapped around Granite Xhaka and he just watches the ball go past him to the point where literally he does not move an inch kind of with this mentality of well my man's not going to (laughs) score it's just comical defending it really is and you know, I was quite convinced straight away that no, nah, that's not. Oh my god! Have
0: you seen I, it? I now? You, I've, I've, I'm just literally, I've whipped on there, and I'm like, he's just giving him a cuddle.
1: Literally. What's going on? I mean, if that what doesn't that? go in, surely that's got to be a penalty. I well, don't, I don't know, I don't know if it would be a penalty, but yeah, but he's not making any, any attempt to play the ball. He's literally just stood there giving Granite a cuddle.
0: He's cuddling him. He looks like he's trying to dry hump his leg. Um, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm seeing. Um, what the fuck no i didn't see that in the moment that and to me awful that just makes
1: the situation and the goal even better it just makes it even more comical but i mean yeah. the scenes that erupted in the away end afterwards it, it looked like a, Polly, it? a real moment it really did you know it's always good when you can score and celebrate away and
0: you know yeah right in front of your own fans. yeah exactly yeah and, couldn't agree more
1: but you know yes it wasn't the best goal we'll ever see but you know, we were deservedly ahead. Like there wasn't any no question. kind of part of me that thought that we shouldn't be ahead in, in the game. Like, mm-hmm. I think if you kind of fast forward to the end of the game, that the XG for the day, so Arsenal's XG was 2.11, Chelsea was 0.26. Think... That just sums it up, doesn't it? It just sums it I mean, up. They not... literally posed no threat.
0: No, they had nothing. And when you even look at the shots, they have five one on target. Mentally, we had 14 shots, only two on target. But I'm one of these. I'm not for the stats. I can kind of see things with my eyes, right? And I just that's how I respond. Stats just back up sometimes what my eyes see, but sometimes they can tell a lie as well, to be perfectly honest with you. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those games, and we've been on the other side of that, when, you know, as a supporter, you're sat there and you're going, you can feel it coming. You can feel that you're going to concede. And when you do, as horrible as it is, you're sitting there going, wow, yeah. I've got no complaints here. They're better than us. Trust me, we've sat through many of those games over the last few years, so we know what it's like. Um, but yeah, I, I, much like you, I just felt like it was deserved. One thing that annoys me though, sometimes watching football on TV, and obviously I think you were probably watching this on BT as well yesterday. Why the fuck's it taken so long to try and understand who scored that goal? I saw it straight away. You could obviously tell it was Gabriel and they must've showed about 20 fucking replays to get, oh yeah, Gabriel scored that. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure why that took so long, to be perfectly
1: honest. No, it was a a weird one from that perspective. I mean, Mm. to to be honest, I mean, I was jumping up and down for a little bit after that one. So I didn't kind of uh, take too much notice of what BT were doing. I mean, you know, BT, as a rule of thumb, have got some questionable uh, pundits and people working for them. So I try not to
0: listen to a lot of TV organisations. Well,
1: there is that. There is that. Mm. But um, but no. Moving on from there, I think just the only thing that we lacked was just putting the game to bed. I mean, there was that chance for Erdegaard, which is the one that I think is just yes. the one where you think, yeah, that was where we should have Finish. put the game to bed. Seventy-four minutes, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not saying that we were uncomfortable, but you know, Chelsea did come out after they scored, which they were going to. I mean, they didn't mm-hmm. create anything significant, but there always is that feeling in the back of your head of they've done nothing the whole game. And if we present them with a chance, then all that of that hard work yeah, all that hard work has just kind of gone to waste. And that was the opportunity. I mean, look, I personally think, and again, I think it's difficult. I'm not a professional footballer. I'm not in the moment. But for me,
0: why does he not slide it through to Martinelli? Me too. I thought that. And what annoyed me about it was it just lacked that little bit of intensity that it usually has. Now look, you know, playing football in the rain like that, it's, it's tough on the legs. It's heavier. Yeah, pitches are heavier, obviously. And it sounds ridiculous, but the weight that your boots cather, your socks and shin pads, it's weird, mate. Like, I don't know how to explain it if you've never played, but it does have a little bit of an effect as to how quickly you can move. Uh, but yeah, I completely agreed with you. I was just like, square it. Square it, game over. Um, and even when he did, he just lacked that bit of confidence, didn't he? You know, he just, he, he didn't look like, you know, when he got the ball, maybe it could have been played a little bit more ahead of him. Maybe. That would be my only slight you know, my slight you know, thing that lets him off, but yeah, I was a bit disappointed with it, how he took it on. Um, and yeah, he definitely could have used Martinelli in that situation. And you know, maybe that's where you know, a little bit of nerves kick in because at 1 0, there's always a little, you know, a few nerves. You know, looking back on high- in hindsight, yeah, there there were no panics. Um, you know, we 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 saw the game out really comfortably. Yeah, they put a bit of pressure on a little bit of pressure, a few corner kicks, free kicks here and there, but even they just resulted to fuck all. Um, but yeah. But saying that though,
1: it. so but but saying that, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to be too critical of Erdegaard because again, he was instrumental yeah. in the middle nice. of the park as well. Phenomenal. He was, you know, just again, it was just those little triangles, those little one twos. Mm-hmm. Just I was, you know, awareness, you know, oh, purring at times. It was just unbelievable, you know. And mm. I think that was for me kind of in the summary. Like I kind of think of the game as a whole, and just this was a real demonstration to me of kind of our spine. Mm-hmm. You know, so that spine of kind of Saliba Gabriel, Jacques Aparthe, Erdgaard, Jesus. Can you think of a better spine in the premiership right now?
0: I mean, maybe Mantees, maybe. Other than that,
1: though, literally. yeah, I yeah mean, no, there's that, And that no, is no, there's why none. we're in the position that we're in. You know, it was a fantastic performance from that spine. And you just think they're just so important in those positions. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. for me, I think Saliba got the man of the match, but for me it was Thomas Partey. I think he funny just you say that's unreal. I just Yeah, think- funny
0: you say that. Um I was gonna ask who was your man of the match, and obviously look, T you know, BT gave it to Saliba, which you can't re- you can't argue with either because he was brilliant. But for me, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think Thomas Partey yesterday was on a different fucking level.
1: It's so different strange level. So strange. Like he kind of can you remember a little while back he kind of came out with that comment i think someone mm-hmm. asked him what would you give yourself out of 10 for your arsenal career so far he four gives 10, himself a four yeah four out of 10 mm. i wonder what he give himself now like he just since that comments well since that comment he just seems to have turned it around mm. he's just been unbelievable but again the kind of paranoid arsenal fan in me thinks we ain't got anyone where's that, that dropper yeah. yeah we ain't gonna there do any drops. we haven't got anyone who's gonna do that and you know I'm sure kind of conversation in the next couple of weeks is obviously going to move towards January transfer window. But for me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I know it's going to be difficult because whoever you're bringing in knows they're going to be number two to party. But if mm-hmm. we're going to challenge for top four, I said top four, I'm not getting overexcited. Mm-hmm. I think that well, I'm going to,
0: by the way, I'm going to make you get overexcited in a minute, just so you know.
1: <laughs> I think that's the thing that's most important at the moment is that I'm panicking that we're only you know, a game or two away from Thomas Partey having his inevitable breakdown just because he hasn't managed to prove his fitness the entire time he's been here. I mean, look, fingers crossed he does, but he is integral to everything we're doing right now. And he just makes, you know, the kind of back part of our team and the front part of our team. You know, he just links unbelievably
0: well. It's the link that he provides from back to front. Fair enough. Very different players, right? But I felt like we always miss this when Santi Cazorla left. He was such a fantastic link player from, you know, transition player from back to front um, and could link the play together really well. Thomas Pai has that. And, you know, I've always said it when we miss him, it's just that the way he can shield the ball, protect it from, you know, other centre-mids around him turn, but it's that, it's just how quickly he can make decision to play the ball forward. You know, that, that, Quick transition is what we're really, really good at, and it kills teams. Uh, and other teams have done that to us over the years and we'll do it to other teams because that's just, you know, that's where the spaces are. That's when you exploit, you know, players being of position. The quicker you do that, the more likely you are to find those gaps. Because once you let a team set, it's fucking, it's so hard. It's so hard to break down a professional football side if you let them set and get into their positions. And that's throughout, you could probably even say, you know, championship level. Once they set, it's really hard to break it down. But yeah, Tom's part yesterday was just, he <laughs> For me, and I'll never compare him to Patrick Vieira because they are different players, but it was the most Patrick Vieira performance I've seen from him. Like there were so many similarities the way he shielded the ball, the way he played so many passes with the outside of his boot, like you know, like Pat Vieira used to do. But there was one incident, I can't remember if it was in the first or the second half where he took two touches where he thinked it over one and then thinked it over another for a little layoff ball. And Patrick Vieira used to do that all the time. You know, he used to flick it up, chest it around people, and then just bully them off and then just pass it on but just yeah i, I completely agree i think him, you know that's probably one of his one of his finest arsenal performances yesterday it was top top quality top top 100 yep. 100%, okay 100% agrees so yeah that that was that chelsea couldn't really come back um and as i just said i'm, I'm going to try and get you excited now don't get it of yourself steve would be thinking he's blue allen because Steve's mind is in the gutter uh, when it comes to comments like this. Uh, You're and agree because it's so, so true. But um, title challenge thoughts. I want to know what you think. I'm putting it out there in the universe. I tweeted yesterday that we deserve to be in that conversation, right? I personally think we're in it. Personally. I know it's going to be incredibly hard to keep pace with Man City. I also take that into consideration. But we have earned the right at this stage in the season. Yeah, we're not halfway, but we're, you know, we're just, what, a third? Just over a third of the way through? We've had some tough games. We've won some, most of those games, bar the Man United one, which, again, we all know, and Man United fans will share, that we were the better side that day. We just got sucker punched, which can happen. I truly believe we deserve to be in the conversation Do I expect us to go on and win the league? Absolutely not. I'm too realistic for that. But I do think we've earned the right to be at least in the discussions now at this point. Tell me I'm wrong. I think for me,
1: I think I'm trying to kind of take all of my Arsenal emotion out of the situation, right? So I'm thinking if I was a neutral fan or if I'm, you know, a Forest fan or, you know, Burnley fan, like someone unconnected to the title race, you know, do I think Arsenal are in a title challenge? Yes. Because I think you'd be mad not to think that because of the way that they're playing. And the fact that, you know, we've started with the best record Arsenal have ever had in their Mm. entire history. You know, Mm. you look at the stats floating around about, you know, the numbers of teams that haven't gone on to win the league with the same number of points as us at the moment, you know, there's only one, there's only one. So, know, everything is pointing to that fact that yes there is a title challenge do I think we're going to win the league no would I like us to win the league more than anything you know it's it's kind of one of those age-old questions isn't it would you rather your club win the Champions League or win the Premier League or would you rather your country win the World Cup now for me I'm much more invested in Arsenal than I ever will be with the the England national team. You know, if you were to the Premier League title now or the World Cup with England, did, I'd I don't say know. Minute, flashbacks.
0: League. Did did this question randomly not come up at Steve's wedding? Were you there? Did you ask me this?
1: Maybe I can't remember. I think Too someone was by that point.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it was late in the day, but I do remember someone shouted out to me, oh, what, you know, "What would you prefer, England to win the World Cup or Arsenal to win the Champions League?" And I instantly went, "Arsenal to win the Champions League." Instantly, didn't even have to think about it.
1: But I think the thing that's for me, and I think the reason why. Look, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. This is, look, I want us to win the league more than anything Obviously. in the whole entire world. But just again, yeah. just trying to think of it logically. Mm. I think it's going to be our depth that's going to kill us. And the depth that we have compared to Manchester City. You know, we are own, you say you get an injury to Jesus, you get an injury to Partey. You know, we haven't got the player that steps in there. You know, I think we're just one or two injuries away from a potential crisis. And I think that's why we're going to be in the conversation about a title race this year, but I don't think we're realistically going to go and win the league because I think we need a couple more transfer windows to be able to build the squads that has got that depth that enables us to do that.
0: Mm. No, I, I, I can't argue with you, right? You, you come with me with value points. And I, like I said, I would not expect just to win the league. Probably not. Because again, and it's such a, it's shit, right? And this is exactly how Liverpool felt when they first started challenging, right? And we all probably thought it was neutral. Yeah, they could probably go and challenge, but it's City they're going up against, which is really sad, right? I think it's a really sad situation that we find ourselves in the Premier League that, I mean, let's just take a look at Liverpool, for example. There were two seasons, they got 90 plus points and didn't win the league. That's fucking ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous to think that there's a team out there who did that twice. And in any other Premier League season, they would have won the title. Any other. It looks like that's going to happen. It, or it doesn't look like it, but it's potential that that could happen to us too. And I think from a sporting competitive point of view, yeah, it's not it's not a great place to find yourself in. But yeah, like what's, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, it's crazy anyway. you think about it, like 90 plus points didn't win the league
1: they're a machine aren't they like they aren't mm. a football team they are a machine you know when you watch man city you know i don't particularly like watching them just i think they pass boring. teams to death i think they're boring mm. i think the stadium uh, for me is quite soulless and cities i don't really kind of get it in terms of why people uh, fantasize about playing like manchester city because I, I think the football that arsenal are playing is 10 times better than that you know mm. but I think for me, just the fact that we're relevant again, the fact that we're even having this conversation, competitive, yeah, like we're competitive you, again. Can you imagine this time last year having this conversation? You no. thought, you know, I would literally be thinking you're off your rocker. But for me, that's what makes this fun, and this is what being a football fan is all about. You know, it's daring to dream.
0: And the emotional rollercoaster. Yeah,
1: yeah, I am. I am daring to dream, and I'm not sure about you, but I keep getting my phone out and I keep having a look at the lead table. I keep. Having a look at us sitting top there, and
0: it's my screensaver. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm joking. I am joking. I don't know what he misses to say about that, mate. Oh, quite probably too much, to be honest with you. But, um, do you
1: know what? I think (sighs) Wolves next week, I think, sorry, next week is this week now. I think that will be a big one. You know, if we can go into the World Cup break being top of the league, what a statement that is. You know, Mm. i I know, I know we're not halfway through the season, but it kind of feels like you're halfway through because obviously there's going to be this big break.
0: It's a big marker for this. If we
1: can go there and be top of the league, that's huge. And I think what that does to the mentality, I think if we don't get the result against Wolves and we go into the World Cup break not finishing top, I worry that might slightly derail us. And that's part of the worry with the World Cup is because you know there's going to be a lot of teams out there at, at the moment who can't wait for the break. We don't want mm. that break at the moment. We would love to keep doing what we're doing at the moment. You know, I know our test is going to take time to reevaluate. Some of the players are going to get a rest. But I bet if you gave him the opportunity of either choosing, does he want a break or does he want to keep going? I bet he'd keep going yeah, right now. Going.
0: The team is informed. You always want to keep going. Uh, but then, every, you know, everybody's in the same situation. It's the only small comfort you get. Man C playing well. Would they want to keep, keep it going? Probably they're going to have to deal with it as well. Um, And overall, I think, you know, they're going to have more players playing at the World Cup than we were. You know, the only thing I hope is Ghana get knocked out as soon as possible. Um, It looks like Brazil will probably do quite well, but, you know, there's unconfirmed reports that I don't think Martinelli and Gabriel, big Gabby, uh, are going to go. Feel for them as players, but obviously as an Arsenal fan, I'm fucking fist pumping that shit. I am because, um, you know, they're, they're vital to us, especially Martinelli. The energy levels that boy provides, great for him to have a little winter break, um, even though there'll be some friendlies thrown in, uh, in whilst, well, whilst everybody else is playing. That's going to happen, but it, it's, it's, it is a weird one. You know, we are just around, like I said, that, that third of the way through the season. But, like, if we can be top of the league, or even, as I said a few weeks ago, if we can be within sniffing distance of City, which we definitely will be now at this point. January transfer window is around the corner. We've got a few games when we get back. Literally, I think we've got two games. That window opens. There are unconformed reports, or unconfirmed, I can't speak there, reports. that, And these reports come from, I love these sorts of things when you see them, because you get excited and then you're like, well, who's reporting this? ESPN Brazil, which I can see where the links are. We've got a lot of Brazilian links, right? But ESPN Brazil is saying that there's going to be money there for Arsenal to invest. Cronk is keen to, to try and uh, probably learn from the mistakes of last January. And that's, we've got a chance here. Let's go for it. Why not? Who knows mm. when this chance might?
1: Not necessarily a name. I mean, I think yeah, it's kind of madness really to think about names. There's so many players, you know, mm. in Europe. But if I could give you the opportunity to sign two positions, what would you be signing?
0: Winger, mid. Interesting. Maybe a striker. But actually, when I say winger, I want an attacking player who can play across the front three.
1: So someone who can play in the middle as well. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I get that. I mean, I was going to say I want a Thomas Partey and I want a Gabriel Jesus replacement for me. Mm. I think the winger, if they can play on the wing as well, then fantastic. Then jobs are good. But um. Mm -hmm. It's going to be an interesting January, it really is. After the World Cup, it's always interesting, isn't it? There? There's always these players that stand out at the World Cup and then there's a mad scramble for these players. So I do think that the January transfer
0: window is going to be busier than what it would normally be. 100% agree. 100% agree with that. Um, because let's be honest, there might also be teams scrambling for replacements for players that come back injured. Please, for God, don't let that, that be us. Because fuck, I, I, I can't. I don't want to deal with that.
1: Norway aren't in the World Cup, are they? So Erdegaard no. won't be going, but unfortunately no. that means harlan's not going to be going
0: either no unfortunately not no um let's just hope he loses his way over christmas goes on absolute bender first one in england um manchester and you know we find him on a curb somewhere absolutely battered and he gets suspended for doing some stupid shit that'd be unbelievable it? not gonna happen pie in the sky thoughts but a man can dream <laughs> <laughs> he's on the 12 12 pubs of christmas with the lads can you imagine yeah.
1: he's out in his uh, christmas jumper or he's dressed up as four or something like that and he goes for a swim uh, in the in the in the um manchester docks or something like that oh yeah we can only time. dream
0: we can only dream yeah. well in, in summary yesterday was fantastic an absolutely fantastic result it was a statement win for me um, I was a little bit disappointed that City got a soft penalty on the Saturday because, you know, I was like, oh, this could take a bit of pressure off for Chelsea and then we might be able to extend our lead if we win. Such a jammy penalty, bastard. Leno but almost
1: managed. saved it as well, didn't he? It was so close. Oh,
0: yeah, but he should have. Right? That's me being harsh again, I know. But fucking save it, Leno, for the love of shit. <laughs> Christ, wasn't even a good penalty. <laughs> but anyway, look, obviously man of the match, we already know. You know, we both went to Tom's party. I completely agree with you on that. But just to wrap up, um, yesterday and the weekend, me and Steve like to go into a little one good, one bad. It always takes me an age to think of these, but I gave you about 20 minutes heads up, so I hope your thinking is better than mine. What was your one good from the weekend, James? Remember, it could be anything you want, anything at all. I think it'd be rude not to
1: be asked or related because... My mm-hmm. mind has very much been on the Arsenal since the, uh, since the win, even more so than the normal. Um, I think for me, the one good is just that there was the pressure there of, like you say, you alluded to Man City did get that late win and that did mm. put the pressure on us to then go and put that's in fun. a performance. So my mm-hmm. one good is that we are still sitting pretty at the top of the league.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a good one, especially after the fixtures and, the, you know, it's it's the the fixture which we had to respond in right. There's more context to just responding to Man City, but you know we are, we had to go and beat Chelsea away. It's not it's not an easy feat for most teams, as we now know. It's been aptly named our training ground um, by some supporters, which is quite funny because we've won three on the bounce there at this point, which is pretty pretty good form there, considering how much shit they've given us over the years. Uh, but my one good is I know we touched on it earlier, but it's just that Aubameyang promo promo BT just backfiring. And then looking at him, sat on the bench when he got brought off, looking miserable, a face I've seen many times before, but this time it was really fucking funny and I loved it. Nothing personal, mate. Nothing personal whatsoever. Oh, and uh, yeah, just on that note, Gabriel's tweet was phenomenal. There's certain
1: tweets throughout the season which you know that I've going to go down as memorable. And I just hope that one doesn't come back to bite us. In yeah. The last... Like the Ivan
0: Tony one did. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want it to go. Yeah. I did think I was like, that's great. Love it. But he might have a laugh at us later on in the season, but I hope not. It'll be gone. It'll be binned off in January. Cause he's crap. Uh, and what's your, what's your one bad?
1: My one bad is just the lack of excitement and hype about the world cup and just everything that is wrong about this world cup, you mm. know, I know I might be sounding a bit hypocritical here. I said I'd rather Arsenal win the league than England win the World Cup, but you know you can't help but get taken up by the emotion of the World Cup and the excitement and the you know whole it's coming home thing. But for mm. me, I've got very little interest in this World Cup. I think everything that this World Cup stands for, how this country got the yeah. rights and responsibility no to, to have it, side of it. Yeah. yeah it's just and just the fact that it's being played in winter and the fact that it's so not a summer it. tournament you know i love the whole kind of fan park you know beer gardens watching england yep. you know it's it's yep. i've got so many good memories from that and obviously yeah we're just not going to get that
0: no i think yeah it, there is i'm not even remotely excited about it it starts in how long two weeks. two weeks yeah two weeks i barely thought about it um i don't really care for it this year and much like you i don't mind it when it's in the summer right because it's the problem is it with it being in the middle of the year you're taking arsenal away from me you're taking club football away from me i don't like that right fuck off with your bullshit you know taking it to Qatar is a whole different fucking story but even if it was in england or france or wherever still wouldn't be happy with the fact it's in the winter that's why we love it in the summer it's because usually in the summer we're all sat there twiddling our fucking thumbs Looking at ridiculous transfer rumours, just trying to fill the void. Whereas when there's a World Cup or Euros, fills that void, right? And it's a lot easier to get on board because you're like, yeah, yeah, this would be good. Like you said, let's go beer garden, sun's out. You know, I'll take in every game I possibly can. Um, And then you've got the the new season that starts. You know, shortly after you get then the fucking transfer madness afterwards. Then the season starts. Whereas this one, it's just like, fuck off. Don't want, I just don't want you to stop, stop the Premier League. Um, so that's, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that, to be honest with you. It is it's pretty shit. What's your one bad, mate? Uh, my one bad, not football related, but um, it's just this time of year, right? You know, the clocks went back last weekend, it's really fucking dark. But one thing that blows my mind every year when the clocks go back it's not that it gets dark at four o'clock, as, as mad as that actually is, but it's like, the day it happens, someone's flicked the switch for winter. And it goes from being nice to just bloody freezing, wet. I live in Ireland, as you all know. It is fucking wet over it at the minute. Windy, disgusting. Yeah, that's mine. I'm just not a fan. I'm not built cool. for this climate.
1: Yeah, couldn't agree more, mate. I went out, played five-a-side last week, and just, mm. like you say, it felt like someone had flicked a switch. It was so cold. It was <laughs> wet, windy, you know, it's the first time I'd had to wear a base layer all year, and it just doesn't become quite as enjoyable. So, no, yeah, not a fan.
0: Yeah, yeah. so that's mine. Um, yeah, fuck winter, sucks. But there's people out there. I don't mind getting cosy, right? I get that. I get that aspect of it. Oh
1: I no, I hate when people say that. This whole With me too, I, too. I do. Cozy. It's a cop like, out. It's if a cop you out. could
0: give, if
1: if you could give me eternal summer, I oh, would quite happily scrap every winter tradition there is. You know, James.
0: I'm right there with you, mate. One of my favourite feelings in the entire world is in the summer when you've got your shorts on, your little t-shirt, your head outside, the sun is the back of your neck and the goosebumps that you get. are oh, Phenomenal. Absolute top-tier feeling. Um, fuck, yeah, fuck winner. Not a fan of it. So that's my one badge. I'm glad you agree. So very quickly, before we wrap things up, we do have another game, a shock, uh, this week. Um, it's the return Of the Magical League Cup. What's it called? Is it still the Carabao Cup? I can't remember. It is indeed. Isn't it mad that this competition was once upon a time just sponsored by milk? The Milk Cup. (laughs) The Milk Cup.
1: Like, what (laughs) the fuck? That still happens in Ireland, doesn't it? Is there still a Milk Cup?
0: I doubt it, mate. It's 2022, for fuck's sake.
1: I'm sure there's a youth tournament or something like that called the Milk Cup over in Ireland at some point. But No, but now we've got disgustingly sweet Energy drink nonsense league cup to look forward never, to. Never, never drank it in my life.
0: Just going to throw that out there. Never, ever have I um, had one of those and I never will. Um, but yeah, are we, I mean, look, I've done no research because one, I'm not really a fan of the league cup anymore. We haven't won it since Jesus Christ, the early 90s. Uh, we came close, not talking about that because that hurt because that was in the trophy drought. But um, Are we home or away, James? I expect you to know these things.
1: Yeah, so we're home and uh, it's a Brighton side, which is going to be, you know, a a little bit tricky. You know, they've come into a little bit of form. So I did have to look at this guy. I had no idea how to pronounce his name, but Roberto Deserbi. So he's come in. He was manager of Shakhtar. He's obviously come in to replace Graham Potter and they've put a little bit of a run together. They got a... A late win against Wolves at the weekend. They won 3 2. Obviously, the week before, they dismantled Chelsea. So, you know, it is going to be a challenge. But I think with the League Cup, as it always is, it's going to be two teams that aren't going to be full strength. You know, both teams are probably Mm. going to have their reserve goalkeeper in goal. You know, it is an opportunity to rotate. There is going to be some younger players brought in. I think it's one of these games as well where, I mean, I'm not actually going to the game, but I think is for the younger fan and I think it's for the family and I think it's maybe giving people an opportunity to go to the game which mm. maybe don't get that opportunity normally which but,
0: I'm all here for by yeah absolutely I love
1: that. absolutely I and I think you'll it. find that a number of Arsenal fans you know got their first kind of Arsenal experience through going to these types of games and I just think you might find that we're a little bit stronger maybe than what we expect and my only kind of thoughts and feelings around that is because there's literally this game then Wolves and then Arteta's packing them all off. So I think you might see us go a little bit stronger, you know, just to keep that momentum going into Wolves. I mean, I'm not sure if Matt Turner's fit again. I know he's back. He's back in training. training. Is he? Yeah. So obviously I think he'll start, but I think you'll see Eddie and Kessier will get a start. Reese Nelson will get a start. Fabio Vieira will get a start. But Mm. other than that, I think it'll be, you know, one of these kind of relatively strong Europa League lineups that we've been used Maybe.
0: I've, got a diff- I've just got a different feeling towards this than Euro- even against Europa League. I think this, I think he might go really, really change it up. Rest everybody. Why not? Let's go and finish on a higher wolves. Um, let's not risk injuring anybody. Because I know, look, I'm not one to bin off a competition we haven't won since 93. I'm not. And I, I love trophies. We all love trophies. Um, and if we can win it, I'd be happy with it. But if I had to bin off one of these competitions right now, it's this one. With the, with the pack season we've got after Christmas.
1: Yeah, we are going to get to a situation where the games are going to come thick and fast. I mean, thankfully, we did the business in the Europa League. We've not got that extra game, which, funnily enough, have you seen the Europa League draw for the next rounds? Uh, a
0: bit. I saw that Man United got Barcelona and I had a very good laugh at that,
1: which is excellent because that's at least one big team being knocked out. But also, um, mm. PSV got Sevilla, and that would have been us oh. if we would have oh. been. Uh, finishing runners up in that group
0: so yeah a potential uh, banana skin there yeah we definitely dodged a bullet there um so yeah fair play to us for you know winning the group um we didn't do it in exactly exciting fashion but don't matter we can avoid those those banana skins and extra games and they'll be tough games as well they're not just games they're tough they'll be competitive um so yeah the fact that we, we we've skipped that um is great and it also means that and there's a few big teams that will be dropping out there as well, um, which is great. I'd rather face Barcelona and Man United, though. That's for sure. Always, in Europe. I've always had that. I've always had this thing of I never ever want to face English, uh, English uh, I can't even speak English competition in European tournaments, and I think this goes all the way back to that nightmare against Chelsea, um, all the way back in two thousand and three, uh, and that's why that's where it stems from.
1: And you know what? I 100% agree. And on a, this comment will sound a little bit strange to begin with, but then hear me out. It will get back more positive towards the end of it. But obviously there was... <laughs> there was obviously like a little bit of disappointment that Spurs didn't get knocked out. But for me, them oh, getting through to the next stage of the Champions League, fine for me, because they're not going to mm-hmm. win it. They're likely mm-hmm. to get knocked out in the next rounds, And that's mm-hmm. just an opportunity that we don't have to play them in the Europa League. Thank you. I'm more than happy with it. They can go and get no- knocked out in the next round, and we don't have to have that awkward game or two against them, which would have you. happened inevitably. Yes. Mm-hmm. Done.
0: No, I, I completely agree with you. When I was, I'm, you know, one of the things I've got into lately, because obviously we're not in it, is watching the Champions League goal show. Brilliant. You get to see all the goals going as and when it happens. I mean, it's a bit of a shit show. It's all over the place, and trying to keep up with it is a bit of a nightmare. But watching it, and when Spurs were playing last week, I was kind of happy they won. Weirdly was happy because like you i don't want to face them in europe even if i think we'll beat him don't want it and i know looking at this spurs team they're not winning shit in the champions league no fucking way um so yeah they can go and do what we used to specialize in and that's get through the group stage and just get knocked out of the first failure opportunity um and i'm quite happy with that to be fair yep absolutely
1: but no that was a very long kind of tangent as to yeah brighton i hope we win because i always want to see us win but if there was a competition that we were going to get knocked out of would it be this would be the one but I never would want to see us lose so I'd be happy if we go through
0: yeah no absolutely it'd be great if we go through but again I'm I'm going into it and I'm going to watch this um, it'd be one of the most relaxing Arsenal games I think I've watched for a while uh, watching this one but look on that bombshell i guess it's probably time to wrap it up it's been a while um look we just want to thank you for taking the time to tune in and listen to the podcast we hope you've enjoyed the show if you do enjoy the show please do leave us a review on apple and spotify we greatly appreciate it uh keep an eye on on social media feeds for the next podcast myself and james do plan to do one post writing uh but until then look after yourselves look after each other and catch you on the next one goodbye